This is Women Road Warriors with Shelley Johnson and Kathy Takaro. From the corporate office to the cab of a truck, they're here to inspire and empower women in all professions. So gear down, sit back, and enjoy. Welcome to Women Road Warriors with Shelley Johnson and Kathy DeCaro. We're a show that works to inspire and empower women in every profession and lifestyle, including the office, trucking, the trades, and even motherhood. We power women on the road to success. We tackle all kinds of topics and we work to encourage women to be their very best with informative guests and women who've been champions. I'm Shelley. And I'm Kathy. No topic is taboo on our rig. We tackle the tough topics along with the not-so-tough topics. And we like to feature experts and celebrities who can assist women in being the very best they can be. Negotiation happens everywhere, every day. And it can be anyone's everyday superpower. Yet negotiation is still viewed by the general public as a specialized skill that's mastered by experts and one that you either have or you don't. Women in particular still shy away from negotiation. Many are uncomfortable. They just don't like to ask for something. They want to be polite, so they make being polite more important than opportunity. But negotiation is necessary. We do it without thinking about it. Here are a couple of examples. Ever tried to get a toddler to eat broccoli? Been in a conversation where someone repeats themselves over and over? Or tried to reason with a person who insists their opinion is indisputable fact? Yes? If so, for the forces of good, the superpower of everyday negotiation may be of interest. It's a compelling book that caught our eye, written by Lucia Cantor St. Amour. It's packed full of plucky prose and entertaining instructions. Lucia is a highly accomplished attorney who's compiled useful information for everyday negotiation techniques. She's a best-selling author and the vice president of UN Women USA. She's also a law professor who's taught negotiation, and she's an advocate for people. We wanted to know more about how women could get better at negotiation, so we invited Lucia on the show to talk about this, as well as share all of her other great insights. Welcome, Lucia. Thank you so much for being with us. Shelly, it is my pleasure, and Kathy, hello, and thank you for inviting me. I am tickled to be here. Oh, we're tickled to have you. Um, Your book is amazing. It offers so much insight in a pithy, funny, and entertaining way. It's relatable in layman's terms about how people can interact with others effectively. You know, I really applaud you because I think most attorneys talk in such legal ease. It puts people off and it leaves them scratching their heads like, what'd you just say? Mm -hmm. (laughs) Right. I agree. Yeah. And And that's no good. That's I've always said that a a really good, well-written contract is one that anyone should be able to pick up and understand it. Mm Mm-hmm. But that's not always the case. You have to reread and reread. And negotiation, people think, wow, that's something you really have to go to school for. (laughs) Um, Well, right. That's, you know, unfortunately, I think that that's kind of how it's been sold, right? mm -hmm. It's it's been this sort of uh, sales job on people that, especially with a lot of the literature out there that, you know, don't try this at home, kids. This is really specialized stuff. And you need to be, you know, the MBA or in the C-suite or an attorney or, you know, the sales and marketing professional. And that's that's who have authored most of the negotiation books, most of them men. It's extremely male-dominated and actually very white male 
nominated. Mm -hmm. And although I am an attorney, the real epiphany that I had was like time out on the field. What? Negotiation, so many people are missing out on this if they think they're excluded from it. And in fact, we're actually doing it every day. And if if more of us, and particularly women, can start to internalize that voice that, yes, I am an everyday negotiator, then hone that skill in low stakes context every day, then they're going to start thinking themselves as a negotiator. And then they're going to be much more ready for those higher stakes negotiations that inevitably will come up. Mm -hmm. And it's really a skill that women need to have. Uh, Women actually make the majority of the buying decisions. Yeah. which a lot of people don't know. And so they need to be able to negotiate. But a lot of times it's so intimidating, depending on who you encounter. Some people can just be bombastic bullies. Um, You see like certain types of men, they'll do that to women. They can be dismissive of women as a negotiation tactic, or they try to bring out their big voice, you know? Right, right. So partly- (laughs) (laughs) then this is an issue that comes up a lot and and again partly i i think that that it has been the conditioning to say oh you know negotiation is is sort of elusive and negotiation is hard and negotiation is cringy that that we've been you have been conditioned to think that so as to exclude you don't fall for it you Mm -hmm. don't need to buy that narrative anymore it just isn't true it's a myth. And that sort of alpha male behavior that you're talking about, there, there are various ways to, to sort of de-escalate that and also not fall into that trap as well. Because if that's how someone is starting off a negotiation, to me, that's a flag. To me, that says to me, huh, they may be coming from a place of weakness. They maybe mm-hmm. don't have leverage here or don't have power. Not the same thing, by the way, power and leverage. They are different and should be treated differently. So if someone starts off that way, that actually signals to me that they're at a disadvantage. And, oh, I, I can work with that. So it, yep. a lot of this is about changing your mindset uh, training your observation skills, your listening skills, using silence, taking your time, slowing things down. These are all everyday things that we can all be doing that do not require going to school, that do not require a fancy degree, that do not require you spending $3,000 on some expensive weekend workshop, or excuse me, summit. They're all summits now, right? You don't need to do, you don't need to do any of those things. It sounds so easy, but when people are actually putting it into application, I can see where practice makes perfect. I think a lot of times when people are in a position where they feel they're negotiating, they get nervous, their ears shut down, they aren't thinking on their feet. Right, right. So practice makes better. It doesn't make perfect. I'm still learning, right? I'm considered an expert in the field and I am, and I'm still a learner. So I was even on my hike today with my dog, because I'm in the middle of a negotiation right now. And I was thinking, I think I've blown this. I just don't think I've handled this correctly. Like, where did I misstep? How can I still salvage this? Right. So I, I still find myself going, wait a minute, where did I, where did I go wrong? And, and a lot of it is also just um, planning ahead. And that doesn't necessarily mean, you know, days and hours and you know or weeks of planning but getting into the habit of planning and a planning routine and i even have a little planning work worksheet that i that i send people because if you get into the habit of planning 
then that planning window can get shorter and shorter over time. And it's actually the planning ahead that allows you to be more agile and spontaneous in the moment when you're actually in the throes of negotiation because you planned, you can be more flexible. You can be more aware. I mean, I think you said something like in your ear shut down, mm -hmm. you're less likely to shut down because you have planned. And I, that is actually a really basic step that gets so often overlooked, just the planning stage where people say, well, I'll just go in and do the best I can. No, do the best I can is not, is not going to get you. You might end up with a deal. You're likely to end up with as good a deal as you could have if you had done some planning. And if you had set a high, specific, justifiable goal, right? Rather than just, I'll do the best I can. Or, you know, knowing your reservation point, that means your walkaway number, knowing where your limit is, right? Because if without a reservation point, going into a negotiation is like going into a casino with an open wallet. So it these are, these are some really basic planning steps that can demystify negotiation and take down that nervousness quite a bit. So you do feel that sense of confidence and you have to keep doing it over and over and over again. I'll, I got to give you an example. Okay. Okay. Because one of the most common questions I get is I get to their top two, top two most common questions I get. And, and I'll tell you the other one in a second, if you want, but one of them is, well, how do I even get started? I don't even know. I'm so nervous. I hate negotiating. How do I even get started? What I say is here's a little exercise. You're going to start doing every single time you're checking out a, of a, a shopping experience, whether it's a brick and mortar store or an online shopping, which is a, a lot of what we're doing now, right? If so, if it's online, you're going to, or if it's at brick and mortar, you're going to ask the person, but in some way you're going to find that, that uh, live chat box or that customer service email or whatever. And you're going to say, are there any other offers or discounts or promotions, whatever word you want to use that applies to my purchase today? Okay. If you start asking that question, are you going to get a discount every time? No. Now I'm going to make a baseball analogy. Because the best hitters in baseball, like the Hall of Fame guys, their batting averages do not go north of 350. So for all the non-baseball people out there, what that means is for every 10 at-bats, they're getting a hit only three and a half times. And those are the best guys in history. Well, what's happening the other six and a half times? They're striking out. They're popping it out to you know left field and it's getting caught. Or they're getting a base on balls. That means a walk. So if you, the point is you've got to keep stepping up to the plate and no, you are not going to get a hit every time. If you're getting a hit every two times out of 10, then you're doing really, really well. But the point is you've got to do it over and over again. That's partly to get the results. That's also partly to exercise the muscle. All right. Negotiation is a muscle and you've got to exercise it every day. You want the six pack abs. You don't get them by sitting on the sofa and watching the hit video, the, the ballet bar workout video. You get them by starting out with basic crunches and then you add plank twists, you know, and then you add weights to it. That's how you do it. And this is the same with negotiation. And you don't need to feel 
like you're a loser if you don't win every single time. You should walk well, away with just learn from it. I mean, figure out what happened and then do it better. Is is that a perspective? It, you can feel however you want to feel. All right. I'm not going to tell you how to feel. I will say this, that in the exercise that I tell that I get people started on, which is that are there any other offers or discounts that apply to my purchase today? Think about it. That is low stakes. If the answer is no, well, first of all, if the answer is no, that's not necessarily the end of it. Then you can ask another question. Are there any coming up? Okay. Like how badly do you need this item? Do you need it right now? Could you wait? Is say, you know, Memorial Day weekend coming up and there's going to be a discount then and you could wait. How's your inventory on this item? Right. So it's not a no is not necessarily a no. It might if you can continue to ask questions, you might find another avenue. Let's say it really mm -hmm. is a no. Well, so yeah. what? So what? You're going to buy the stuff anyway. You haven't lost any face. You haven't lost sure. anything. And that's why it's such an effective sort of warm up exercise to people who feel really averse to negotiation or who are really nervous about it. Stay tuned for more of Women Road Warriors coming up. Dean Michael, the tax doctor here. I have one question for you. Do you want to stop worrying about the IRS? If the answer is yes, then look no further. I've been around for years. I've helped countless people across the country and my success rate speaks for itself. So now you know where to find good, honest help with your tax problems. What are you waiting for? If you owe more than $10,000 to the IRS or haven't filed in years, call me now at 888-557-4020 or go to mytaxhelpmd.com for a free consultation and get your life back. Industry movement Trucking Moves America Forward is telling the story of the industry. Our safety champions, the women of trucking, independent contractors, the next generation of truckers, and more. Help us promote the best of our industry. Share your story and what you love about trucking. Share images of a moment you're proud of. And join us on social media. Learn more at TruckingMovesAmerica.com. Welcome back to Women Road Warriors with Shelley Johnson and Kathy Takaro. If you're enjoying this informative episode of Women Road Warriors, I wanted to mention Kathy and I explore all kinds of topics that will power you on the road to success. We feature a lot of expert interviews. Plus, we feature celebrities and women who've been trailblazers. Please check out our podcast at womenroadwarriors.com and click on our episodes page. Also, don't forget to follow us on social media. We're on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, Pinterest, LinkedIn, YouTube, and other sites. And tell others about us. We want to help as many women as possible. Too many people shy away from the word negotiation. But it's something we have to do every day. More people, especially women, need to internalize that voice that says, yes, I am an everyday negotiator, and hone the skill in low-stakes situations. That way they're ready for higher-stakes negotiations that will come up. Lucia Cantor St. Amour is an expert in negotiations as an attorney. She's authored a book that gives people the steps they need to gain the advantage in all the encounters they have in life. It's entitled, For the Forces of Good, The Superpower of Everyday Negotiation. Lucia says you need to change your observation and listening skills so you can think on your feet, slow things down, plan ahead so you can be more spontaneous in the moment in a negotiation. 
These are just some of the tips that put you at an advantage to know how to respond to a difficult situation. It really builds the confidence for people who don't even like the word negotiation. Lucia has given us some practical steps for everyone to be a successful negotiator. It's really empowering. This information really gives people an advantage. Many people are just plain afraid of negotiation, though. Don't you agree, Kathy? A, a lot of people just are hesitant. With people that are, are really struggling with uh, low self-esteem, I could see how even the thought of st um, starting a, a negotiation, how that would stop them in their tracks. Because number one, they're already going into that with a belief that they're not, they're not capable of getting it. So why even try? Do you know what I mean? I do know what you mean. And I think that gets back to this whole mentality about negotiation. It's like, oh, it's negotiation. Like it's for business and mergers and acquisitions and the C-suite and ooh, it's so daunting. No, negotiate. I mean, yes, that's just one context. Negotiation, think of it like a pizza pie, right? So business negotiation, a salary negotiation. I don't even like that word salary because it, it, it's too limiting. I'll get to that in a second. Those are a couple slices of the pizza pie. Oh, there are so many other slices to the negotiation pizza, like getting your toddler to eat their peas. You know, in your intro, you talked about, you know, motherhood. You don't think that a toddler who's refusing to eat their peas or their broccoli and you getting them to eat their peas and broccoli, you don't think that's a negotiation? It's, it's a gr it's a great context for practicing negotiation skills. And I can break down that negotiation for you in using negotiation terminology to show you how there's power, there's leverage, there's interest, there's needs, and how if you can become aware of that and be practicing that in the moment, then you're going to start to go, oh, yeah, I'm a negotiator. It's at um, your kid's school. It's in the workplace. It's at the grocery store. It's everywhere. Sure. How about you break it down in, in that particular example? It, it'd be entertaining and... <laughs> Okay. I mean, it really is with a toddler. It, it, oh my. It is, right? Right. So first of all, let's talk about power and leverage. Mm -hmm. This is a classic case where you as a parent are the more powerful party. You are bigger and stronger. You have more experience. You have more control over your motor skills. A lot of other ways that you are just more powerful. However, your toddler is the one with the leverage in that situation. Your toddler is the only one who can eat the peas. You can't make them eat the peas. The thing about leverage is it shifts. So the question is, all right, I'm the more powerful party here. How can I shift the leverage? Leverage favors my toddler though. So how do I shift the leverage? And what's so wonderful about this example is it demonstrates there's no one approach either. Multiple approaches, multiple solutions. So you could try different things. So the first question you might want to ask yourself, and asking questions is a really important aspect of negotiation, is, well, why do I need the toddler to eat her peas? Like, what? why does she need to eat her peas? It really? Okay. Well, okay, let's answer that. It, maybe it's because, you know, she needs to be healthy so she can grow and be strong, right? And because, you know, what kind of parent am I if I'm not making sure that my, my child is getting their peas? And, oh, okay, well, now we're getting somewhere. All right, this isn't just a power struggle. There are interests that are being served. One interest is I need to feel like a good parent. I need to show that I'm being a good parent. Another interest is the health and well-being of my child. All right, so that helps us to understand the interests. Okay. And then you can also use language like, you know, 
this child wants to watch The Little Mermaid after dinner. Can I watch The Little Mermaid? No, you can't watch The Little Mermaid because you haven't eaten your peas. Well, could you shift that to a yes? You can watch Little Mermaid just as soon as, you, as you've finished your vegetables, right? Mm -hmm. Also, what you know? What are the requirements for these vegetables? You need them to eat vegetables. Does it have to be peas? Like what? Do, what? What? Uh, boxes need to be checked. Does it have to be green? Does it not have to be green? What if it was purple cauliflower, right? And and what about before you even prepare the meal, you give them the illusion of a choice. You say, okay, which vegetable would you like with your grilled cheese, purple cauliflower or peas? Okay. Note the eating of a vegetable is non-negotiable, but they can negotiate which one. Now they've got buy-in. Now they've got self-determination. It is a choice. It's a bit of an illusion of a choice, right? So now they're much more likely to eat their peas. I've given you the example of saying yes to mean no. And there are also other ways to say no to mean yes. You can also uh, bring on the help of third-party influencers, right? So what if there's a favorite aunt or an uncle who comes over for dinner and they they hungrily gobble down their peas or their purple cauliflower, right? And this child wants to be just like their Uncle Mark, right? Well, then they're going to copy Uncle Mark and gobble down their peas or their, their purple cauliflower. So this is, do you see what I'm saying? Yeah. There, like, mm -hmm. This is how negotiation works. And I just use negotiation lingo and applied it to a, a mothering, a very common everyday mothering situation. So you can take that on the road, all right? You can travel with that. And it's analog and it's portable and you can use it anytime. You can, you can use these skills. And when you think about it, <laughs> a two-year-old, there's probably nothing more stubborn than a two-year-old. Right. <laughs> no right. is one of the words they love to use. Right. No, I won't. No, no, no. You know. Right. And if you right. can negotiate with them, because they have no vested interest in cooperation at all, you really can hone a skill there. Yeah, it, it, exactly. And and then, then again, it's about that practicing and then internalizing your voice. And if you can recognize these everyday situations as actually many negotiations, and you're going, oh, I'm going to practice negotiation now, you're going to start think of yourself at, as, a, as a negotiator, as a competent negotiator. So then when you do get that job offer, Okay. Mm -hmm. And by the way, the negotiation for a job that starts in the interview process. The negotiation yep. starts in the interview. You're already negotiating. And then now that's a higher stakes negotiation, much higher stakes negotiation than, yep. than the toddler and the peas or the grocery store, right? Or the, the, you know, your kids fundraising committee at school. Uh, you know, I think it's a higher stakes negotiation and you are going to be so much more equipped. You're going to feel so much more confident. You're not going to feel like, oh my gosh, I don't know how to do this. Well, you do know how to do it because you've been internalizing, you have been recognizing negotiation opportunities every single day and, and practicing it. You're, you're going to be, um, and you will have planned for it as well because you will have learned planning and how to and, incorporate that. And it's so important. I can't tell you how many friends lady friends that I have talked to who have been disgusted with themselves after an interview saying, gee, I kind of settled on, on the amount of money. They wanted more. Right. Well, so my question there is, well, um, how did you handle it? You know, when, when you got the offer. So let's, so let's talk about that because mm -hmm. it is, I remember how I said there are two top two questions I get from people. And one of them was, well, how do I even get started? The other one is like, usually in a panicked voice, like, Lucia, how do I negotiate my salary? And I'm like, okay, 
like, okay, like take it down a notch, sister. Let's slow down. <laughs> all right. Time field. First of all, I want to change your terminology. Let's not call it salary negotiation. Let's call it compensation package negotiation. And I actually, anytime I see that on LinkedIn and I see it all over salary negotiation, and I'm like, oh, it's just, it's cringy to me. No, it's compensation package negotiation. Salary is one aspect of it. It might be the most important aspect of it, but it's only one aspect of it. And in the cases where the salary actually might be non-negotiable, you now understand if you're if you're enlarging your perspective that you can negotiate other aspects of the job that all of it translates to money okay so if you can if you can negotiate say a hybrid work schedule so you're in the office not 5 days a week but 2 days a week or you know 3 times a month or whatever so all of that commute time the 2 hour commute time you know maybe 1 hour there 1 hour back is that translate your time translates to money yeah. or you're negotiating for that that transit pass or that parking place or that gym membership or is there a vesting schedule could the timing of that be shifted or some sort of childcare subsidy or on-site childcare or a food box i mean i could go on i can do this all day okay but once you start recognizing it as a package it gives you lots of other avenues now Let's say you've just gotten that offer. Hello, we'd like to hire you. And for the salary is $50,000. What do you do next? Well, the first thing you do is you say, thank you. Okay. Negotiation, by the way, is not an attitude of entitlement. It is not a petulant demand. It is not a, you know, well, it's my turn. Women have been left out. It's our turn. Okay. That may be true, but that's not negotiation express gratitude. Mm -hmm. Thank you. And then the mm -hmm. next thing you say is walk me through how you came up with that offer or how did you calculate that offer or how, whatever, use your own words, but ask them how they arrived at that number. You might be surprised at how many salary offers, like there's no metrics behind it. Mm -hmm. They have so no you, idea. Yeah. They're just sort of like throwing something out, right? And there's there's more of a crackdown on this now because we're starting to see uh, pay transparency and pay equity laws. And so now companies are starting to become a lot more mindful about having some metrics behind their, their offers. And that's a good thing. That's progress. It's a question, though, when you think about it, whenever I've said that to someone, ask them how they arrived at the offer, people say, oh, my gosh, I never thought of asking that. Every single person I've said that to has said, I have never, I would never think of asking that. Like, well, it's a really good question because you do want to see like, were they methodical about this? Did they base it on objective criteria, subjective criteria, a combination? Are they lowballing you? What's the market rate? Did they do mm -hmm. their research? Did they miss something? Did they, did they forget to incorporate some factor that you could say, oh, but what about this? Okay, so you want to get them to tell you how they, how they came up with the offer so you understand what went in their process. And by the way, if they didn't have a process, flag, all right? <laughs> um, and then the next question is, when do you need a reply? And then you use that time for your, wait for it, counter offer. Yes, you are going mm. to counter offer because guess what, women, this is normal. 
It is so normal to counter offer. And by you not counter offering, you are not winning points because you're just so agreeable and such a team player, you know, and playing so nice. No, in fact, you may have just failed your first assignment. You mm. counter offer. You have the most leverage in this moment and use it. They have picked you. They want you. They're not yep. going to say, oh, you're going to counter offer or we're going to rescind our offer if you're going to count. That's not how it works. You prepare your counter offer. And then when you come back with your counter offer, be prepared to answer that question you asked them. How did you arrive at that? Okay. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Mm hmm. You know, it's it's amazing how many women I've heard say, well, I didn't want to do that. I didn't want to seem rude in the mm -hmm. interview. All right. Now, mm -hmm. let's talk about that, okay? Because, you know, we had been corresponding be before when we were figuring out if this was a good fit, should I do the podcast? And you wrote something to me, I can't remember where, it was something about how, you know, women... Um, tend to play nice. And so they don't yep. negotiate. And I said, that's really funny that you use that phrase play nice, because it's actually the title of uh, chapter two of my book. It's called play nice. But when I hmm. say play nice, I don't mean what I think you think I mean. When I say play nice, <laughs> I don't mean be nice. I mean something really stealthy and cool and strategic because it's based in game theory. That's what play nice is. And I'll walk you through it. So it's based okay. on Robert Axelrod's evolution of cooperation and his iterated prisoner's dilemma computer model that he ran all these trials to see how to maximize outcomes. And the, the and it is a little bit like the Nash equilibrium, um, John, John Forbes Nash Jr., who was depicted in that movie, A Beautiful Mind. And the idea is cooperation, that through cooperation, we actually maximize outcomes. But there are a few steps to it. And it does not mean being a doormat. Door so here are the play nice. So I'm calling it play nice. Here are the steps. This is from Robert Axelrod in The Evolution of Cooperation. Number one, be cooperative. Okay, so start off with a cooperative stance and a cooperative approach. Number two. Be provocable, meaning if the other side starts to, you know, act up or start to be a bully or not cooperate, be someone who can be provoked, all right? Not a doormat. Number three, be retaliating. When the other side defects from cooperation, so do you, proportionately. In, you do it immediately and you do it in kind. It's proportionate. Number four, be forgiving. When the defecting party resumes a cooperative stance, so do you. Don't hold grudges. So he tested this in these computer trials and it won. It kept winning over and over again. This, this pattern, right? These steps. Now, there is actually a fifth Axelrod rule. I, I talk about the first four in chapter two, the play nice. And that, so that's, by the way, the end. That's what play nice means. So you see how I mean it's not just be nice and, oh, thank you for the offer. This is such an opportunity. I can't thank you enough. And I'm just so grateful, so, so grateful. And I accept, yeah. okay? Right. That's not play nice. That's not strategic. Play nice is strategic. Gratitude is still there. I am not, I'm not knocking gratitude. I'm all for gratitude, okay? But you're also not but and. And you're also strategic. 
The fifth Axelrod rule I get to in chapter 15. That's quite a ways from chapter two. And we've we've built this like a layer cake in the meantime. Chapter 15 happens to be the chapter on bullying. The fifth Axelrod rule is once the defecting party has defected three times, so do you permanently. In other words, you're forgiving, but you're not forgiving into infinity. At a certain point, you walk away. You have to walk that. away. You have to I be prepared that. to walk mm-hmm. away. Yeah. Yeah. Like enough's enough, right? Enough is enough, mm-hmm. you know? So this is not fluff, ladies. This is not fluff. <laughs> this is badass stuff. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. Stay tuned for more of Women Road Warriors coming up. Trucking Moves America Forward, or TMAF, is building a positive image of trucking by telling the story of the hardworking drivers and industry professionals who support the industry. And you can be a part of it. Learn more about TMAF and how you can join and be a part of the industry movement working to build a strong image of trucking by visiting TMAF's website at truckingmovesamerica.com. You can also follow us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and our latest channel, TikTok. Welcome back to Women Road Warriors with Shelley Johnson and Kathy Takaro. The art of everyday negotiation incorporates a play nice strategy that does not mean being a doormat. It's powerful and strategic. You respond proportionately with the other side to gain the leverage you need. This strategy is based on Robert Axelrod's evolution of cooperation to maximize outcomes. It's a game theory. You start off with a cooperative approach. Be provocable. So if the other side gets combative, respond accordingly. Be retaliating when the other side defects from cooperation, but make it proportionate. Be forgiving when the other defecting party resumes a cooperative stance and don't hold grudges. If the other side defects from cooperation three times, walk away permanently. These steps are highly successful. Prominent attorney and author Lucia Cantor-Saint-Amour has been telling us about this as well as other steps in a way to successfully negotiate. She's the author of For the Forces of Good, The Superpower of Everyday Negotiation. Lucia, the steps you've outlined in our previous segment make so much sense. And isn't this how men typically interact and maybe women don't as often? This meaning what? What you just described, playing nice. I mean, men will interact. Of course, I don't know. You also see men out in the alley beating each other up, but that's an extreme, (laughs) (laughs) you know, obviously you don't want to go there. (laughs) You know, it's interesting you say that because, um, you know, men and women do tend to negotiate differently. And we actually have some very, very new research that was just published this year out of Stanford that, that women actually outperform men when negotiating while on a walk. Isn't that a fun, quirky little fact? Wow, that's yeah. interesting. Yeah, and um, yeah, women do better when negotiating while walking, and whereas men, their sort of competitiveness tends to kick in and kind of get in the way. I will say this: walking, the walking meeting, and walking while negotiating is, um, and if you're not able to walk, if you're not ambulatory, then 
going outside, you know, let's say you're in a wheelchair, being outside and, and moving, you know, could, could, could be, is it the same thing? You know, let's be inclusive here. And, um, it also promotes oxytocin. So your, your mm -hmm. brain is releasing that bonding hormone. Now it turns out that <laughs> this is so interesting. Women respond to the production of oxytocin in terms of, uh, displayed behaviors differently than men do. So oxytocin production in women translates to more pro-social behaviors in women, whereas oxytocin production in men can lead to the more kind of alpha, alpha like protectiveness behaviors that can make them more guarded. So that's, that's sort of fascinating. So, um, you know, but behavior is, is communicative. So when you say, you know, and isn't this how men do it? I mean, yes and no, women and men uh, do tend to behave differently. And um, also when women do, you know, negotiate for their higher salary and get that higher salary. And by the way, side note, but it's an important side note. By avoiding that, that single negotiation, let's say it's your first job out of college and you're just so grateful to get the offer and everything and you don't negotiate it, right? This has been calculated by economists, all right? By avoiding that negotiation, over the course of your life and your career, the ROI that you're missing out on, it calculates out to over a million dollars because you, because you didn't do that. Okay. That's some, that is a, you know, chunk of change. Yeah. yeah. And, um, where I was going with the, um, how women and men tend to be different is women also spend their money differently and they invest it differently. So, so he, so if you do, once you, you do negotiate that, that compensation package, understand that you are contributing to closing that gender pay gap, which at the rate we're going now, it's actually going to take us 200. I think the number is 257 years. It's going to take to close the gender pay gap. So you are contributing to closing that gender pay gap. And then what we're seeing out of, you know, Forbes, out of RBC, um, uh, Lloyd's of London is that women, when they make money, they spend it and invest it differently. They tend to invest more of it and they invest more in their communities. They donate more money and they invest more in like ESG uh, type companies and causes. So they're more generous. They're more generous. They are more mm -hmm. community minded. They are more expansive. They are more about sharing and spreading the wealth. So when women um, when, when, when women win, <laughs> mm -hmm. they tend to open up opportunities for many others. You know, women are, um, are, are more, uh, just altruistic. And, and this is not just me talking. I, you know, again, I'm an attorney. When I talk, I, it's based on evidence. <laughs> sure. Absolutely. Yeah. Women are more nurturing. And then that's probably part of the nurturing behavior. Caring. Right. And, yeah. and that's, that's just goes back to, to, to fundamental biology, you know, mm -hmm. and this is also, I just, I just wrote as this fairly polemic essay uh, entitled um, indispensable are women are feminists getting women's rights wrong. And well, okay. Whoa. Like, what are you Lucia? Hold on. Right. Like <laughs> what are you saying? <laughs> and it, it really does get to this whole idea of like the feminist narrative and sort of the blind spot of the feminist narrative and, um, uh, failing to recognize the role of the industrial revolution and the precipitous advancement of, of women's rights and the industrial revolution, you know, also known as the Anthropocene, um, 
it was all about celebrating, you know, uh, energy, right? Free and abundant energy. Well, now that energy is in crisis because of the climate crisis and it's depleting. And um, just in the next 27 years, even the, um, the suppliers of energy to Europe, it, it's going to be halved. So who is going to suffer most from the depletion of free and abundant energy? It's women. It's women. Okay, mm-hmm. so that means it's going to impact our child care. It's going to impact us, uh, our freedom of movement and, and ability to participate in the workforce. We're already seeing the, the recession of women's rights here in the United States. And we cannot forget that our rights are very, very dependent on, on energy. So when women... Uh, you know, advantage from things. We tend to share it. We tend to expand the pie for others. We're, we tend to not be hoarders. And getting back to the whole biology of it, that you said, well, women are more nurturing. And all of this, uh, the evolution of women's rights and the industrial revolution and, and cl- climate crisis and the crisis of energy today, it really is all rooted in, in the biological division of labor. Okay, which cannot be feminists don't want to hear that. And I say I am a feminist. Okay, mm-hmm. <laughs> like a globally recognized feminist. And I'm telling you, feminists don't want to hear that. They don't want to hear about the biological division of labor. But it's undeniable in the course of whole human history, absolutely undeniable. And it and it's the industrial revolution that is what leveled that playing field because now we had, you know, uh, stoves and washing machine, you know, ways a machine that could do the work that women were performing. We also had machines that could do the work that men were performing. So they, they advantaged from it too, benefited from it as well. But really women, it's women's time that got freed up the most. And so of course that, then we had the big migration from uh, rural communities to uh, the cities for jobs. And it, it placed women in another precarious situation because now they have both jobs at home and at and at work. Sure. But the point being, believe me, don't worry, I'm going to bring this all back around. Sure, I'm not I'm not on a tangent. <laughs> no, this is making sense. Yeah. Yeah. The point being that that when you say nurturing is like, yes, that actually it is so deeply rooted in the differences between men and women. And even though the feminist narrative does not want to hear it, it is absolutely undeniable because we could be heading back there this biological division of labor, if we're not careful, if we don't protect it more. And what I mean by that is not by just grievances, not not just by saying we have to pass the ERA and we, you know, and, and by um, talking about everything we want, but by becoming indispensable, we have got to make ourselves indispensable. That is to say, to try as best we can to participate in uh, the, the depletion of energy as it's happening and to slow it down, to slow it down so that we can retain those rights. Because, you know, what good is is the right to birth control if you can't get it? All right. If women if women mm-hmm. in the Middle Ages had the right to birth control, it would have been useless to them. They needed to produce babies. The, 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 the infant mortality rate was like higher than 50 percent. Right. They could not use birth control. They needed to produce babies. If, if we have the right to birth control, but it cannot be produced because of the energy and the metals that are required to produce it, and it cannot be distributed because of more energy and more metals that are required to distribute it, what good is it to us? Yeah. So good negotiation point. can be as small as getting your, your, your toddler to eat their peas at your kitchen table, and it can be as big as negotiating 
climate change and the role of women in retaining our rights and, and trying to make progress on them mm-hmm. uh, to avoid going back to that biological division of labor. It's an essential technique that we're not brought up with. I don't think that parents ever really talk to their kids about negotiation, although children will learn the technique. I know that um, I was always trying to figure out a way for my mother not to say no. I would come up with reasons why she should say yes. And she'd said, you were practicing at this at a young age, Shelley. Right. Right. And you can also, I think I alluded to this earlier. You can also, if, if you said like, no is the favorite word as a toddler. Okay. Mm-hmm. Well then lean into that. Mm-hmm. Craft your questions so that their answer will be no to mean yes. Okay. So would it be impossible for you to have six bites of your broccoli so that you could watch little mermaid? That is a no oriented question for Mm -hmm. a toddler. Would it be impossible? But it's getting someone to say no to mean yes. Okay. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's like these, yep. it's like a Jedi mind trick. Like these are not the mm-hmm. you're looking for. <laughs> yeah. I remember negotiating with my nephew and he, oh my goodness, he was so stubborn at that age and just mm-hmm. having a fit at the table. You know, mm-hmm. it's like, well, you, mm-hmm. your mother told me you cannot leave the table till you finish your lunch. And boy, did he try everything he could screaming and yelling and oh my. And it was amazing. I could see different uh, attitudes and faces in there. It's like, I see myself. I see my niece, all these different little personality traits. It was really quite comical. Exactly. And that's what's uh, interesting about that is you were actually what I call using a third party as an excuse or an audience. Mm-hmm. So you were like, Hey, I'm just following orders. Like it's not, yep. me, not coming. For, it's your mom. Right. Yep. Yeah. So, and, and, and she also like she's kind of the one who put you in that situation too. And, and you now maybe you see how, gosh, that whole thing could have maybe been teed up a little better by like what again going back to just preparing the meal, getting their buy-in. Okay, which vegetable are you going to choose? Right, you can choose carrots or peas or purple cauliflower. You know, given yeah. like no more than three choices. You can't give too many choices because then that's paralyzing, right? Mm-hmm. So now they've already agreed. You already have a, like basically a contract with them. You know. Uh, they've chosen the vegetable or, you know, would you like to take your bath before or after watching Little Mermaid? The illusion of a choice, right? Mm -hmm. Taking a bath is not negotiable, but they're going to, they're going to make it, they're going to go, oh, I'd rather watch it before because then I, whatever they're going to say. Okay. These are just these little like Jedi mind tricks. Sure. (laughs) Stay tuned for more of Women Road Warriors coming up. Kathy DeCaro is nothing short of amazing. She not only drives the world's biggest truck as a heavy equipment operator in northern Alberta, Canada, she's an international motivational speaker and the author of Dream Big, an autobiography about overcoming a lifetime of trauma and abuse that led to dreams of success. Kathy inspires people the world over to change their lives and improve their self-worth. Her book will change your life. She's passionate about personal growth and believes anyone can change their circumstances and overcome their obstacles if they believe in themselves. Her life will amaze you and seriously inspire you. Be sure to order a copy of her book, Dream Big, on Amazon.com.
Industry movement Trucking Moves America Forward is telling the story of the industry. Our safety champions, the women of trucking, independent contractors, the next generation of truckers, and more. Help us promote the best of our industry. Share your story and what you love about trucking. Share images of a moment you're proud of. And join us on social media. Learn more at TruckingMovesAmerica.com. Welcome back to Women Road Warriors with Shelley Johnson and Kathy Takaro. Negotiation is a muscle you need to exercise every day to get really good at it. It's super important for women, especially when it comes to the workplace and negotiating a compensation package. Otherwise, they're unknowingly leaving a lot of benefits and money on the table that should be theirs. It's not impossible to do, and you don't need to be an attorney to do it. Without even knowing it, we negotiate every day. How about when you try to convince your toddler to eat his or her peas? That takes strategy and patience to gain the leverage and the outcome you want. Gain buy-in. Craft your questions so no means yes. It takes practice, but negotiation can be done by anybody. When you enter a negotiation, you need to know your reservation point or walk-away number and when to say when. Without knowing your reservation point, it's like going into a casino with an open wallet, according to Lucia Cantor St. Amour. It's not about doing the best you can to get a deal. Lucia says you need to set a high, specific, justifiable goal. Lucia is a prominent attorney, negotiation expert, the vice president of UN Women USA, and author of For the Forces of Good, The Superpower of Everyday Negotiation. Lucia's insight is absolutely terrific. She offers a valuable blueprint for winning in life. Your book yeah. is so terrific, Lucia. You've, you first talk about deal-making and dispute resolution as two types of negotiation. You've got a haggling exercise. You talk about building rapport, establishing clear goals. Uh, your titles of your book are really cool. Spidey Sense and Negotiation, um, The Cat Riddle, Perspective Shifting and Imagination and Negotiation. Everything you explain makes total sense. You make great analogies, and you really do give a step-by-step approach that people can actually write down in practice. You know, here's the thing. This is what I recognize, and this is the other reason, because, you know, why do you want to write a book? It's like, oh, there's so many books out there, and believe me, it's not. It is a really tedious process. So if you're going to do it, it better be because there's something new to say. And people don't, what I realize is people don't want to read a book on negotiation, they just want to know how to do it. Right. So I had to design yeah. a book that was like, okay, this is how, you can flip open to any page. You don't have to read it from start to finish. You can flip open to any page and you're going to get something, right? And then, of course, you notice it's illustrated too because I am a firm believer that books need pictures. I'm sorry, but I like, I want pictures. Yeah. <laughs> you know, <laughs> I liked them as a kid. Yeah. 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 You have just like words, words, words. There's this great scene in the movie um, Amadeus, okay? And the Emperor of Austria is attending a rehearsal of Amadeus's Mozart's um, latest ballet. And he sits and he watches it and it finishes. And Mozart proudly turns to the Emperor and says, You know, what do you think? And the Emperor says, Too many notes. Just pick out some in the middle. And he turns around yeah. and leaves. And it's like, Yeah. That's what I feel like with books, especially people don't read these days. They 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 scroll social media. So yes. you cannot 
have too many words. So it's like, mm-hmm. no, there's the everyday super tip pop out boxes and the yep. pictures and the like, you've got to design something that's easy on the eyes and it's got style. And it's like, it's a little black dress of negotiation. It, you know, it's I like classic, that. It, it goes, it's elegant and it goes with everything every day. Yep. I love it. Where can people find your book? Because this is something, it doesn't matter who you are, you can benefit from this. Oh, yeah, it's just, it's most places, but Amazon is the, you know, they may think the main place it's Barnes and Noble and, you know, but it's, I think Amazon is probably where people generally look for books and it's on, I did an audio, I narrated the audio book. You know, there's a Kindle version, there's a paperback, there's a heart, there's all the versions. (laughs) There's all, I did all the things. (laughs) Which is very cool. And it's called For the Forces of Good, The Superpower of Everyday Negotiation. Yes, it's got a Mm -hmm. chocolate Labrador on the back cover. That's how you've got a woman with a cape, a red cape, holding a to-go coffee in her right hand and a dog leash in her left hand because she's on the move. She's on the move and she's doing all the things and she's the everyday negotiator and the chocolate lab on the back cover. (laughs) Gotta love that. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, I Um, I know that we're just kind of scratching the surface here, but you've really given us, I think, a good synopsis of negotiation, why it's important and the fact that we do it every day. We just don't realize it. And it is something when you think about it, even when we're kids, we negotiate. We're always negotiating with our oh, parents. Oh, kids are natural negotiators yeah. for a lot of reasons. Kids yeah. make natural negotiations. They're uninhibited. They ask tons of questions. They're yeah. curious. They're they are unimpeded by mom saying no. They're great negotiators. So mm-hmm. be that kid. Yeah. Be yep. a curious kid. That's what we need to do. Go back to our childhood. Remember our strengths there and, and just find ourselves in our inner strength and confidence again. And I think that's what your book is doing. Right. And that's where I say, yeah, I'm not here to empower you. Right. You don't need me to empower you. You need you to empower you. You 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 got it already. I can I can maybe help, but it, it's already in there. You just you just need to practice. Practice, practice. Well, I heard that a lot when I was playing piano. Yeah, and people don't want to hear that. They don't want to hear. And I think it's one of the reasons people do plunk down $3,000 on a weekend summit. Sure. Go, well, if I've paid $3,000, then I'll for sure be a negotiator after that. It's like, sorry, you're going to get some good nuggets. You're going to learn something. There is absolutely no substitute for practice. That's right. So I am here to say, don't spend that three. You don't need to spend that $3,000. You know, what you need to do is practice. Again, it's a six pack abs. You know, it's mm-hmm. six pack abs, by the way, you can get in six minutes a day. So why aren't yeah. like, why, why don't we all have six pack abs? We all have six minutes a day. You're, you could, you're probably spending three hours scrolling social media. You could take six of those minutes and do that. The abs, right? Why? How come you're not? <laughs> right. Yeah. Uh-huh. So Lucia, you also have a podcast, don't you? I do. It's a, it's kind of a, a more of a teaching podcast. It's not a guest driven podcast, but it's mm-hmm. got a lot of the, um, kind of the same lessons from the book. And then I also, I do a couple of, I'd have a few episodes where I'm actually commenting on current events and I'm breaking it down in terms of a negotiation mm-hmm. analysis. And there are, I think 21 total episodes. Uh, you know, it's best to start that from the beginning and, um, yeah, 21 episodes. I keep, I think the longest one is 30 minutes. I think, uh, the shortest one is like nine. So again, it's like, it's not going to, it's not a big time commitment. You can, you can fit it in. It's got to be, it's got to be in bite-sized morsels. What's the name of the podcast? Forces of good. Okay. Not for the forces of good because for the forces of good was too many characters for Mm -hmm. Substack. So it's just, it's just forces of good. (laughs) Okay. And and people can find that anywhere. They listen to podcasts, forces of good. Can find it on Substack and Apple Podcasts. Okay. Yeah. Those two places. They can look you up, Lucia Cantor Saint Amour. 
Uh, they can. I'm so, oh my gosh, I'm so on the internet. It's exhausting. So yeah, you can, you can just type in my name. You're going to find stuff. You're going to find Excellent. more than you. You're going to find more than you want. <laughs> Excellent. Lucia, you are such an inspiration. I really appreciate you being on the show. I could continue to talk to you for another hour. <laughs> well, the time flew by. I just really enjoyed myself. And most of all, it's not about me. Most of all, I hope the audience has has gotten something from this and they're going to go out there and be their super selves and start practicing every day. I hope so, too. And we can credit I, you. Yeah, you know? I 100% say, believe. I yeah. listen to Lucia. Yeah, yeah. I don't need the credit. When I was at mediating, I mediated cases for, I don't even, can't even count how many for all those years. And when people would say to me, how many cases have you settled? I would say zero. I don't settle cases. The parties settle cases. Again, like don't take that self-determination away from people. This is, mm -hmm. this is you. Makes sense. Thank you so much, Lucia. Thank you. Thank you. It was my pleasure. We hope you've enjoyed this latest episode. And if you want to hear more episodes of Women Road Warriors or learn more about our show, be sure to check out womenroadwarriors.com. And please follow us on social media. And don't forget to subscribe to our podcast. Thanks for listening. You've been listening to Women Road Warriors with Shelley Johnson and Kathy Takaro. If you want to be a guest on the show or have a topic or feedback, email us at sjohnson at womenroadwarriors.com. Mm -hmm.